Hello and welcome to Buddies Without Borders. My name is Stevie Jackson. I'm an actor, writer, producer in Vancouver, BC. My name is Christopher Royce. I am a writer and a podcaster in the San Francisco Bay Area of California. And of the two of us, I am not the one who is obsessed with roller skating. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's true. I will cop to that. It is a Just recent obsession. Living that skating life. <laughs> living that skater life. Um, yeah, it's true. I ordered uh, new laces and new toe stops today. Oh, fancy. So, yeah. And I, I actually I need to call and actually talk to somebody about wheels uh, because I think I may need the stock wheels that came on my skates are quite good, but they um, it's a little rough outdoors. All of my practicing, like my classes happen indoors, <laughs> and then all of my practicing is outdoors on much rougher concrete. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I just might need like a softer bigger wheel so so like an equivalent to monster truck wheels for roller skates big something like that yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah just something that will handle uh the bumps and cracks a little bit better give me a smoother suspension (laughs) yeah um i mean i could if i wanted to get really fancy i could be switching out cushions and things but um i'm gonna try well i'm gonna talk to them because i i suspect that uh new wheels will make a difference that sounds awesome the wheels that come are hybrid indoor outdoor but if you're mm-hmm. mostly outdoor especially on rougher surfaces then maybe maybe a softer wheel so we'll see anyway yeah completely obsessed can't stop, can't stop. <laughs> was skating this morning in the school parking lot down the street i feel like can't stop won't stop has a slightly different connotation when you're your own vehicle (laughs) (laughs) i can stop i mean i wouldn't i would not uh i'm not ready for sidewalk skating yet i'm not ready for anything where traffic is a risk Mm -hmm. um just because i'm still very much a beginner and yeah why do things that are unnecessarily dangerous (laughs) no why why when there's a perfectly good empty school parking lot down the street especially on the weekends when no one is really even parked there most of the time that's nice Um, yeah it it works pretty well um so yeah that's a good place and i would i would say wherever you are in the world if there is a school or church parking lot near you (laughs) that's a great place to practice because if anyone does pull in you see it coming yeah um and they see you when you can get out of the way Mm -hmm. um and they're necessarily going more slowly than they would be on a street because they yeah. are expecting to park and they are expecting, <laughs> you know, they're expecting they might encounter something, be it a roller skater or perhaps a raccoon. Um, or a roller skating <laughs> raccoon. You never know. Um, so yeah, empty, empty or empty-ish parking lots are a good place to practice. There's also, that school has a basketball court. Mm. I got a crack at that on Friday. That was very exciting because usually there's someone playing on, on skates? it. No, <laughs> but usually there's someone using it for its intended purpose of basketball court. Mm. but uh at that particular point there was not and so i had all that concrete to skate on um so in even bigger space than the the patch of parking lot that i've marked out for myself (laughs) (laughs) and no traffic of any kind my only company was uh, a mother with two little kids who just like Mm -hmm. crossed it to get to the playground uh, and a gentleman who was using one of the basketball hoops to do his um, calisthenics exercises. He had those okay. you know, those stretchy belt things that sure. he was hanging from. The, I guess he needed something strong and sturdy. Yeah. So he was hanging his weird belt contraption from that so that he could then 
I forget what those are called, but you see them in gyms where it's like, yeah, I'm sort of picturing it. it it's not resistance bands. Exactly. It's like uh-huh. a contraption, but you can do all kinds of moves on them for like using your own weight okay. um, to build the muscle. So he was doing that. So he's like in the shade under one basketball hoop. And this is a big, I'm sure they use it for gym classes. There's like six basketball hoops around this big. Okay. Square. Sure. Yeah. So it's not one court, really. Mm-hmm. It's multiple courts. This is an elementary school. It's not a professional <laughs> situation. <laughs> um, but I, so, you know, I made sure I stayed out of his little corner that he'd marked out for himself. And uh, I had all that space to skate around, which was was pretty great. That's awesome. So, yeah, I recommend it. You're not too old. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that not knowing how old our listeners are, but uh, trust me, you're not too old. Also nice to have an outside hobby. Yes, that's especially after 16 months of being mostly inside. That's one reason for it. And it's, yeah. there's a bit of a startup cost. Like you do need to buy skates mm-hmm. um, and crash gear. I would recommend, uh, especially if you're new, don't just don't try to do it without gear. Just get the padding. Yeah, that feels um, like a really good advice. It was a real no brainer for me. It's like, OK, and also I need a helmet and knee pads and elbow pads and wrist guards. <laughs> like skates are great but i'm not getting on them without all this other stuff (laughs) yeah um yeah so you need all those things uh so that's depending on what you buy that's you know it's a couple hundred bucks maybe you know i i think i spent about 400 for everything including tax not that oh Mm -hmm. um i well i didn't go with like bottom of the line i went with sort of low middle of the line room for upgrades yeah um but good solid beginner stuff that's not going to fall apart on me because there's there's cheaper stuff out there but it falls apart really quick and ultimately it's a bigger investment because now you've bought that and you can't use it anymore and so you have to buy all new upgraded stuff so i thought why not just go with like a step up from that to start with a good solid beginner intermediate kit that should carry me through for a while yeah that's always the tough trade-off you know like uh just bought a new phone and like you know, mm-hmm. where where do i want to sink my money is it into getting a new one later right. or yeah should i just get the kind of the best available that's reasonable now yeah. or should i cheap out all but ensuring <laughs> that in three months i have to do this again yeah, this is a roller yeah. skating podcast now, friends. <laughs> and and a, a consumer equipment investing podcast. <laughs> I also recently upgraded my phone because I had to. I was forced into it by my banking apps no longer working. Yeah, Very that happened annoying. to me as well. Yeah, so I went from an iPhone 6 to an iPhone 11. I should get a couple of years out of that. We'll see. Yeah, I got the, whatever they're calling it, the SE second generation, which is mm-hmm. basically the same six, same size as the six that I had before, but oh yeah, not with battery problems and charging problems. Yeah. Yeah. The 11 is, is bigger, which is an adjustment and yeah. stuff that I could do one-handed on the six. Yeah. Uh, is, is harder, but it also, it was the one that was being offered to me at a discounted rate by my carrier so that's yep. what i took <laughs> that'll happen <laughs> oh this is the one on sale already then yeah. yeah i was gonna try to hold out until i think september they were saying there was rumored to be an event where there was going to be a new rev of iphone stuff oh, okay. and uh it uh, apparently my phone heard my plans <laughs> and <laughs> decided to develop intermittent charging problems instead oh yeah my plan was to hold out forever I was perfectly happy with my six. It was fine. It worked fine. It did. It lost its battery. I now realize quite a lot faster. 
yeah. then, you know, cause it, that happens over time. Usually, at least yep. for me, it happened over time. So you don't, when something happens slowly, you don't notice, you know, it's like, if you lose five pounds in a week, you see it. If you lose five pounds in five months, you don't see it. And it's exactly, kind of the same yeah. with the phone. Like if over three or four or five years, it is charging more slowly and, and draining quickly or more quickly than it was, it happens incrementally. You don't really notice. And then I got the iPhone 11. It's like, oh, this thing holds the charge all day, all day. Look at yep. that. Even if I use it a fair bit all day, I'd like, I don't have to plug it in. Whereas my six, I was recharging like twice a day. Um, yeah, I just, uh, long-time listeners know I have a very boring day job. And so much mm -hmm. of that time is spent, you know, on and off Twitter or reading or whatever, mm -hmm. a little mobile Scrivener action. And so <laughs> a lot of the time I would just have the phone plugged in when I was at my desk. Oh, yeah. And like, yeah, yeah that's not an issue anymore <laughs> at all. Turn that brightness all the way up. <laughs> yeah, I got used to charging it. And I, if the charging had been the only issue, I probably would have stuck with it. I just got used to carrying a charger with me everywhere and looking for but, outlets. Yeah. And, and especially the last year and a half, just always being home. Who cares, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, but we but got it, screwed it, by the iOS updates. It was when my important apps stopped working. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, what do you mean I can't make a payment on my phone anymore? Well, that yep. blows. I guess I need a new phone. Like that's yeah. that's what did it for me. Yeah, my like, bank wouldn't even the app doesn't even download anymore. Like, nope, that, sorry. Yeah, it, it's that's really what happened. They're like, sorry, we don't support that anymore. You, well, I can change banks or I can change phones. And having changed banks within the past year, I can tell you changing phones is easier. So. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to change banks also. So I'm like, let's oh, make this easy. Don't do it at the same time. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, so uh, this is a iPhone podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> we have new phones. I've been roller skating. Chris, what have you been doing? Uh, not that much uh, roller skating or gallivanting about on wheels except for <laughs> my car and normal <laughs> driving activities. Gallivanting. <laughs> Could call it that. I still like to think I have a certain flair. <laughs> but you and Tim Amundsen, man. That's right. That was a joke about the short lived, wonderful show, Gallivant. Maybe for you. <laughs> it's uh, fantastic. You should, you, well, there's two seasons of it. Tim played a king. There's a lot of singing and horses. It's delightful. Score. It's out there on streaming somewhere. I'm not sure where, but it's out there. Uh, well, the, the expression, I like to think I have a certain flair is from the West Wing. It's a Joshua Molina line. Uh, someone asked him if he's rewriting part of a speech for the president uh and he says yes i'm basically yes i'm going to rewrite this and he says are you going to rewrite it dramatically and he says well i like to think i have a certain flair <laughs> and then the senator remember says no i meant significantly oh <laughs> nice a little will uh, bailey action oh josh molina he don't want no trouble in his place <laughs> also correct he's having trouble with his ducks or whatever is in his pool i don't know i'm not on twitter as much the last couple of weeks but there seems to be waterfowl in his yard uh, yes, I gather. I haven't been paying completely close attention for a while. I was because it it's adorable. Yeah, I gather what happened is that a mother duck had baby ducks in his yard, and it was all fine until one day, uh, the mother and babies were all swimming in the pool, and he realized uh -huh. the babies could not get out of the pool. Oh no! Because <laughs> they can't fly yet, and they were just they couldn't do the step. And they're little, they're too yeah. little. Like they jumped in there, but then they couldn't. Mm -hmm. So he like. MacGyvered a ramp. He, he like <laughs> ordered stuff and built them a way out. It's wow. adorable. 
That's oh, yeah. amazing. So that those were the couple days when I was completely riveted where he was like, I've ordered the things and I will build a ramp and we will get them out of there. Um, <laughs> and he did. And so now I guess they're just growing up in his yard. Yeah. And they've grown significantly. Like they were just yellow floofer ducks when uh-huh. that happened. And now they're starting to look more like adult. They're not adults yet, but like their feathers have darkened and the pattern is coming in and they're not. So they're like tweens now? They're like tweens. That's what they look like, (laughs) little teenage ducks. Um, But I guess what's happening is they've just, the mother duck chose to have and raise her babies in his yard, maybe because she saw the very inviting looking pool and thought, what a great place to teach my babies to swim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's hopefully there will be a few weeks now. <laughs> uh, I I assume that his assumption is that once they're grown, they'll leave. Well, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think the ducks will spend their lives in his yard. I think they'll find a nice pond or something. Yeah, I would or think maybe so. he just has ducks now. <laughs> well, I think both of his kids are <laughs> college age, so maybe that's that's his thing now. <laughs> maybe maybe now we're accidentally raising ducks. <laughs> Um, I don't know. All of this has been gleaned from from Twitter, but it's been really fun to watch. He puts out photos and videos every couple of days of you know the ducks' progress, how they're doing. Sometimes they're swimming. Sometimes they're all sleeping in a pile. It's all very cute. Uh, but yeah, I think the idea is. I'm sure he's talked to someone like animal control or a wildlife. I would hope so. Yeah, I would. If I had ducks in my yard, like, can I expect that they will live here forever? Can I expect that they will move on? Um, so I imagine he's had that conversation with some kind of expert. Um, and the last I saw on Twitter, the idea was that, you know, yeah, they will grow up here. And then once they're grown up, they will fly away. So sad. Or he'll get his pool back. <laughs> Cause I don't know how much you can swim in the pool while the ducks are in the pool. I, yeah, I guess it depends they, like, how interspecies social the ducks are. Yeah. Like have they taken over the pool? Is this, is it like swans who will attack you if you get too close to them or right. are the ducks more chill or, or geese? <laughs> Yeah, because if I had geese or swans in my pool, I would just assume that it was theirs now. Yeah, you're staying inside. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, oh, I see. It's uh, that's your pool. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh mm-hmm. no, I won't charge you rent. No, I don't. I don't want to get beaked by a swan. <laughs> beaked by a swan. <laughs> I assume that's what it's called when a swan whacks you with their beak. I mean, you could also go with something like attacked. <laughs> I know, but beaked is fun. <laughs> and attacking they could do in a number of ways beaking is specific fair yeah. <laughs> beaked by a swan possible episode title possible episode title you heard it here first yeah uh, I, I do not have any fun wildlife. I guess there are rabbits around here sometimes little mm-hmm. little fluffy bunnies eating the undergrowth but oh yes. no. Uh, anyone following me on Twitter is aware of the crow drama going on. That's true. Yes, you have outside my house. Birds of your own to deal with. I do, and I think they followed me to the parking lot where I was skating this morning because there was a crow fight happening there too. Crow fight. Um, I don't know what's going on. They're just out there yelling at each other most of the time. They're quiet right now, which actually lends credence to my theory that they're somewhere else today. Yeah. Um, but for the past couple weeks, they've really been going at it. Uh, and at one point a pigeon was involved and there, there was all this squawking and squealing. And I went and I looked outside and down on the sidewalk were two crows and a pigeon just like fighting. Score. Um, I think the crows won. I definitely like would not got away. bet on the pigeon. <laughs> no, not against two crows. Um, it's, there's some drama going on. I don't speak crow. I don't know what's happening. 
uh, I'm fascinated by their stamina, how long <laughs> they can go. The crows can screech all day. And by all day, I mean from when the sun comes up around five to when it goes down around 10. They're not trading off. It really is the same. It's the same couple anyway. Like it's the same few. They just, they seem to just live in that tree. So. Oh boy. They're, yeah, they're loud, but also it's just, I, I admire how long they can go. And whatever this is that they're fighting about, because it does sound, I mean, I guess crows always sound kind of hostile. Yeah, I was going to say, but I like, can't remember hearing like hostile. soothing cawing. No. Oh. It's, it's very oh. aggressive. <laughs> uh, so it sounds, maybe I'm wrong and that's just crow language, but it sounds like they're having a fight and it's a big one. So I'm, I'm riveted, uh, interested to see what happens next. Well, I will report any significant developments on my Twitter feed. Yeah, when you're when you're at the window or outside, please do be nice to them because they've done studies with crows oh, and other corvids where they recognize and remember faces. I'm so aware of this. They can just have grudges against specific humans. I made a crow. How do you mad like once. that knowledge? <laughs> I made a crow mad once, and this might be my payback. <laughs> um, I don't think so. I did. I did once get pecked by a crow, though. And well, that sounds traumatizing. Years after I made it mad, it just swooped right down over my head and it like pecked me really hard on the head once and then it flew away. And I, thought, I guess you huh, weren't supposed to be walking there. Revenge of the crow? Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, or it mistook me for someone else, but because we know they recognize people, that seems unlikely, but it was not in the same neighborhood where I had a few years prior made a crow mad. So I yeah. don't know. Maybe it was in this neighborhood and it recognized me. Maybe it was a different crow and a case of mistaken identity. I'll never know because I don't speak crow <laughs> or corvid, I guess. I bet their language is corvid. I don't speak corvid. Cor Corvidese. <laughs> I'm not aware of any classes where I could learn. Yeah, I, I don't think <laughs> yeah. that's quite been decoded yet. No, it's not like a human language that I could go figure it out. Uh, this is, it remains a mystery. But yeah, <laughs> yeah until fighting we have of the like crows a... continues. Until we have a Crozetta stone, I don't oh. think we'll be able to. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> Put a button uh, on a button on bird talk. <laughs> they are quiet right now, so no new developments. <laughs> Do we have any human things to report on? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Uh, <laughs> what what I'm watching and enjoying lately? Sure. Can we start there? Um, I have been enjoying, well, I have finished the first season of the latest entry in the Mike Shoreverse, All right. <laughs> uh, Rutherford Falls. Mm -hmm. It stars Ed Helms, our old friend Andy from The Office, <laughs> um, not as Andy from The Office, as a gentleman named Nathan Rutherford, mm -hmm. whose family is a big deal in a small, I assume, fictional town called Pretty Rutherford sure. Falls. Yeah. Um, it begins with, there is a statue of his ancestor. Oh yeah. That is in the middle of the road in an intersection because that is the exact spot where his glory moment happened, I guess. Um, and so after the umpteenth car <laughs> runs into the statue that is inexplicably in the middle of the road, uh, a campaign starts to move the statue and that yeah. a series of events. Um, involving the Rutherfords and their history and the history of the indigenous people yeah. from that area who live there, who uh, own and run the local casino. And uh, it 
it is the story of Nathan and his best friend, who's an indigenous woman named mm-hmm. Regan. And I, because of the spelling, I keep wanting to call her Reagan because it yeah. has the A in it, but it is Regan. Yeah. Um, and how this conflict sort of tests their friendship in a variety of ways. I think it's, uh, speaking as a white person, of course, as always, <laughs> I, it feels very, very well done. Um, yeah. I know that Mike Schur is not the only creator or writer. Uh, he is one of, I think, three creators. Yeah. Um, there are indigenous folks involved from the ground up in this show. I remember reading um, that, yeah. Who, you know, create also created it. Um, are writing on it, are starring in it, are producing it, uh, are having a voice. And yeah. it's, uh, it is funny. It deals with, you know, in a humorous way, mostly, it deals with issues that are very real in <laughs> all of North America today. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's, it's exceedingly well cast. Everybody is wonderful. Um, the, the indigenous people are played by indigenous people. Yeah which uh, I, I wish that weren't rare in uh, yeah. American I, entertainment, but I oh wish boy, that is didn't it? bear mentioning, but it bears mentioning because it is unusual. Yeah. Um, so ev- everyone is well cast and appropriately cast proving mm-hmm. as Mike sure has done before that. Yes, it can be done. Representation not only matters, it yeah. is achievable. You just have to look, you just have to care enough to try. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's um, not even very hard. You just I've, have to try. Well, yeah, uh, I've got the Wikipedia page open here and the creator, oh, sure. it's Ed and Mike Shore and then um, Sierra Teller Ornelas, I think is how I'd say that. And she is Navajo. Yes. Um, and then the uh, member of the cast that you mentioned, um, Reagan Wells is, mm-hmm. I want to say her name is Jana Schmieldling. I'm not clear on the pronunciation. Not 100% sure, so I apologize. I didn't say it. Could be Jana, could be Yana. Yeah. Could, could, I think it's Schmildling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and according to Wikipedia, she is uh, Cheyenne River Sioux. And then mm-hmm. there's, yeah, lots of other people with, um, yeah, who who are, uh, and I, I'm always a little bit myself, just not mm-hmm. to speak for you, but I'm always a little bit awkward with describing people as indigenous or, you know, just because there's been so much change in terminology over the years and centuries in the States and in various parts of the States, because not everyone who was, let's say here before the Europeans got here likes Mm -hmm. to be referred to in the same way. Um, Yeah. So I, I will state then that I am using uh, what is currently the appropriate Canadian terminology Mm-hmm. Um, meaning that we have in this country, we also have gone through a number of changes in terminology. It's changed. Mm, oh, yeah. I think we're on our fourth set of terms since I can remember, uh, starting with words that are now offensive and uh, <laughs> refer to people from a whole other country. <laughs> yeah, not not close to here. No. Um, and then uh, we've had a couple of iterations of what what people are comfortable with. My understanding the terminology that is uh, current in Canada is that indigenous is kind of an umbrella term. It covers our First Nations people, mm-hmm. our Métis people, and our Inuit people. Yeah. Um, so indigenous being a blanket term. Uh, in the States, I've heard a bunch of terms. Yeah. Um, and I, I Native American is a term that I still hear down there a lot. That happens a lot. And there are still people who prefer the I word. Like I just, I never know exactly the right way to go. 
Yes, I feel like that word is uh, similar to the N word in that you may use it if you are a member of that community. <laughs> yeah. If you are not a member of that community, it is not yours to use. Um, so if, yeah. if an indigenous person refers to themselves by the other I word, mm -hmm. uh, that, that is their right and their prerogative, and I'm not going to argue with them, but it's not yeah. my word to use. Uh, the words that we've gone through in this country have included native, aboriginal, first nations. Yeah. Now we say indigenous because first nations is a variety of groups and that is separate from the Métis people and separate again from the Inuit people. So we yeah. basically we have three larger groups the Inuit, the Métis, and the First Nations that encompass other groups within them. There's more mm -hmm. than one Inuit group. There's more than one. Exactly. Yeah. You know, uh, there's more than one First Nation, hence the S on the end. Yeah. Um, there are many <laughs> First Nations, in fact, but they're distinct from the Métis people and they're distinct from the Inuit people as well. And so indigenous just means from here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? and you just so, need a like, term for originally from here. And that's the umbrella term that currently is the accepted and yeah. correct term for all of those people. So that's that's why I'm using that word because here indigenous is the word that we use to refer to anyone who falls into any of those groups. And yeah. then people like me are called either Canadians or settlers. Yeah. Yeah. Um yes. So <laughs> I'm not sure what? what the exact parlance is in the States right now. I have, I've heard, like I said, different terms. I hear uh, American I word. Uh, uh -huh. I hear, I hear indigenous. Yeah. I hear native, I hear native American. I, I'm not sure what you guys have gone with. So I, yeah, I don't think there really is an accepted standard okay. here. I mean, there's been so much change in these kinds of issues of what names and terms people use for themselves across all right. different like demographic yeah. characteristics, you know, age, gender, sexual yeah. orientation, you know, national origin is another yeah. big one. So I just, I'm not sure that the states, I'm sure there are governmental designations, which are way out of date. I'm sure, sure there are popularly used terms, which are probably not everyone's preference. So like my general rule of thumb is like whatever I think in my head, probably what I need to do is find out who I'm talking to and like what they're specific because, you know, someone who's Navajo or someone who's mm -hmm. Iroquois or someone who, like, you know, they would probably appreciate the specificity. Whereas if you were talking about like my personal heritage, yes, I am European largely, mm -hmm. but I also enjoy Italian or Italian American or more specifically Sicilian American, depending on who I'm talking to, you know, mm -hmm. I might say Siciliano, like that's very specific. Yeah. And that shows me some respect if the person I'm talking to cares. And so maybe that's a thing I can do if the person I'm talking to using indigenous or another umbrella term, not always the most helpful way to deal with someone one-on-one -on -one in my personal right. experience, but not everything is personal experience. Sometimes you're talking about giant demographic groups. Well, and in this case, we're talking about, and, yeah. I believe that the, uh, the, tribe represented in the show is fictional yes i think i just read and i just closed the window but it's something like minishanka i think is minishanka yeah. i don't i don't believe that's a real group i think you're correct uh, and because of that that would mean that the actors who are playing the minishanka yeah and again because we're they're not all from the same uh in canada we would say they're not all from the same nation they're not all from yeah. the same first nation so mm -hmm. listen if you are a member of this community, if you're an indigenous person or uh, 
First Nations or Native American or what have you, and you're yeah. hearing this conversation and you have some input, please email us oh, or, yeah. or tag us on Twitter and let us know. Uh, if Indigenous is not the right term in America, please let me know because I yeah. do want to use correct terminology. Um, in Canada, that is currently, so I'm going to go with Indigenous because in Canada, that is the accepted term that has been told to us by the Indigenous people that that is what they wish to be called Yeah, as, as a large group. And then if you know that you're dealing with a certain First Nation or group, yeah. then of course, if I know I'm referring to someone who's Métis, I will say Métis. Mm -hmm. um, or I'll use their name if it's an individual. <laughs> but, you know, if I'm referring to specifically the group who identify as Métis, yeah. then I will use that term. But when I'm referring to Indigenous people at large, I'm going to go with Indigenous because my understanding is that's the proper term. If you're Canadian and Indigenous and I'm wrong, please correct me and welcome yeah. it. I want to know if I'm wrong. Um, but and, so, so mm -hmm. Rutherford Falls deals with, I'm still going to go with in the Indigenous people represented by the, I believe, fictional Menashanka tribe. Yeah. And I just, uh, I do hear myself and how awkward I sound. And I just like, I really mm -hmm. embrace wanting to <laughs> learn and not knowing <laughs> what the right answer is. So yeah. this is, I mean, I think that sometimes we say in a joking way, like reach out to us if you want to oh, no, you know, complain it. about the show. And in this, like, this is a real mm -hmm. thing. This well, isn't just tell your friends to listen to the show. Like no, we do want to be educated about this. Absolutely. I'm factually, really interested. You're always welcome to talk to us. Like, yeah, I of mean, course. Even if it sounds like a, a joking, yeah, let us know if we're being idiots. Um, please <laughs> let us know if we're being idiots. We're out there. You can find us on Twitter individually or the show's handle. Please. Yeah. Please feel free. We welcome the feedback. Um, yeah. But the show is, you've enjoyed it's great. it. great. The show is great. I just, yeah. you went on a tangent that I found interesting about your own heritage because yeah. I am not used to people bothering to identify me as anything other than white. <laughs> yeah. Um, I rarely even hear European. Uh, and mm -hmm. so I really don't, I identi really identify as Canadian. Yeah. Um, because I don't have a homeland in the way yeah. that some people feel they do because my family has been in Canada for many generations. Yeah. Originally on my dad's side, we're Scottish. Originally on my mom's side, we're English. So mm -hmm. my ancestry is UK and I'm also happy to be referred to that way, I guess, but it would never, <laughs> I don't even, I, it, it's not, I don't find it. If someone just refers to me as a white Canadian, I'm not offended. Yeah. Um, I'm not offended by being called Canadian. I'm not offended by being called a settler. It took me a little time. I grappled with that one at first until I came to understand what it really means. Yeah. Uh, I'm fine with it. I'm, you, I mean, I guess you could call me Scottish Canadian, but like, sure. I can't, I can't do a brogue. Um, <laughs> like, uh, I'm, I'm not bothered, I guess is, I mean, I know what my heritage is. Um, I'm not bothered if other people don't know. Yeah. It's, but it's also, I be, for me, I think that is because, you know, I was born in Canada. My parents were born in Canada. Their parents were born in Canada. They're like we're enough yeah. generations down that I just identify as Canadian, which is yeah. And on my dad's side, I'm third not even generation. really an ethnicity. <laughs> it's right. Like it's a I guess it's a nationality. Like it's it's a citizenship, yeah. but it's not. But that's I mean, if you ask me, if someone asks me where I'm from, my answer is Canada. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, on my dad's side, I'm third gen. So like, that's not super close to an immigrant community, but not super far away because of just the particularities of that family that I'm not going to dive into. But yeah, no. like that 
on that side, it's very much Sicilian American. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on my mom's side is kind of like your family of just like, yeah, we've been in this country mm-hmm. for quite some time and been white people most of the time. Yeah, we are. We are <laughs> tasty white Canadians for the most part. But I, I personally us, don't have, <laughs> I don't personally have any identification with the term white, especially because in the States, it's so often associated with ideas of like overt racism and white power. Like if you are someone who identifies as white, you are identifying as white to the exclusion of other people. Now, see, I don't think that's necessarily true because a, a lot of the criticism mm-hmm. that I hear from people who are not white is that white people take offense to being called white. And I, but I think that that's the root of that. Uh, it, but mm, maybe, but I don't think so. I think it has more to do with being used to being the default and just not having your race called out. Yeah. Um, and so when you too. hear it, it's jarring. But the fact is we are. And if we're going to refer yeah. to people of other skin tones by their skin tone, then we should expect to be referred to by ours. And oh, there's absolutely. nothing yeah. inherently. No, that makes sense. It's just a descriptor. Like I, you know, if someone refers to me as a white person, they are correct. (laughs) I have looked at myself. I am very pasty. (laughs) That's fine. And I don't, I don't take offense to it because I know that I don't identify with it in any deeper way. Like I'm not proud of it. I don't think it means anything. I am a pasty white person because my parents are pasty white people and their parents are pasty white people. Like we're just all white people. This, you know, (laughs) we have an unfortunate lack of melanin. Uh, It's just the way it is, (laughs) but it doesn't, I don't identify it. I I don't identify with it beyond it being a descriptor. Yeah. I think the people who want it to be their identity like it matters like it means something that's a problem yeah but as a descriptor like if someone's like oh you know the white girl with the dark blonde hair and the blue eyes like oh that's just descriptive they are correct (laughs) so that's fine um so no i don't i don't chafe at being called that i also don't chafe at people you know if someone's like making fun of white people or whatever like white people don't put any spices in their food like yeah you know what a lot of them don't yeah. Um, but I, I'm not going to take that personally. I'm not going to get all sure. like, no, that's, oh, a very that's different racist. Thing. That's no, it's not. I mean, it's also just kind of true <laughs> <laughs> as, as a, as, as a people, if you will, although white people <laughs> is a very broad range of European ancestry, as we've discussed, exactly. We, we are not yeah. all from the same place, nor are Asian people, nor are black people. Yeah. Right. Like all of these encompass many, many, many cultures, but you know, they're not, I mean, if you've ever had British food, they're not wrong that it's under season. Really? That's just true. That's a fact. Anyway, watch Rutherford Falls. It's on, I Yay. think if you're in America, it's on Peacock. Yep. If you are in Canada, it runs on showcase, or if you like, I, am a uh, cord cutter you can get it uh on stack tv via amazon so you buy an add-on or if you're me you get the one month free trial watch everything you want to watch and then cancel it um (laughs) but you get the stack tv add-on for amazon i think it's like 12 dollars a month um and you can watch all of the so far single season of rutherford falls it was just renewed for season two so we'll be back uh the delightful Paul F. Tompkins guests in a couple of episodes. Yeah, I was looking and down is, the uh, guest star list. I think Beth Stelling is in the show too. Mm-hmm. It's a great comedian and writer. Yep. 
yeah it's yeah. it's I watched the first one and it's been on my sort of like yeah I should get back to that list for quite some time yeah you you will see people you recognize um it is if you enjoy Mike Schur's other work so if you enjoyed The Good Place mm-hmm. um if you've enjoyed Parks and Rec if you enjoyed The Office The Office in retrospect being a product of its time it's a little bit meaner than some of the more recent stuff yeah um, it's a different sensibility yeah but if, if you enjoy the more recent and the more mike shuri of the mike sure stuff yeah. you will enjoy rutherford falls and i also think it's you know it's it's very timely it's hitting at a great time and it yeah i hope that one of the things it will do other than entertain people and make people laugh <laughs> is uh make people think a little bit about what else you know what's going on in our world yeah. in our current uh north american relations with our respective uh populations yeah absolutely <laughs> i'm always there for anything mike sure that's uh, definitely like a default after the good place so just on board yeah. automatically it goes in yeah. that category for me yes I will, as a creator I will try anything that he is associated with um but this definitely this definitely has a lot of his uh feeling to it but the contributions of the other two creators are very yeah. much felt as well uh and no no uh ridiculous names in this one. Oh, no. no no shell straps <laughs> <laughs> i guess you can take a break from that for a little while <laughs> yeah yeah no there's there's none of that this time <laughs> <laughs> well i guess i'd stand warned <laughs> uh so what's on your list what do you got um I think I will talk about a movie that you and I both watched a minute ago uh, from the mind of stand-up comedian Eliza Schlesinger, Good on Paper, which is a, I will say, I can't remember exactly how they phrased it, but based on a true story Mm -hmm. sort of thing uh, about a relationship that she had with someone who um, was a terrible, terrible person and lied about almost everything about himself. Big stinking liar, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) A BSL, if you will. <laughs> a BSL, indeed. Uh, and I thought the movie was really great. title for the show. <laughs> sure. I've, uh, I've heard this story told, the real version, a couple times on podcasts over the years. And uh, was excited to see that she got a chance, I assume because of her relationship with Netflix, because that's where the movie is. Yep. And she's done something like five specials for them that, as far as I know, have been uproariously successful. But um, yeah, it was great that she got a chance to tell the story in sort of her own words. She is the writer and the star, directed by Kimmy Gatewood. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought she just really did a dynamite job with it. It's it's not a typical sort of rom com female lead part. And I really enjoyed that because mm-hmm. sometimes that can be tiresome. Yes. I, yeah, she felt like a real person. And I, yeah. I enjoyed that. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's that's the thing that I think a lot of those kind of rom com movies lack is like it's a sort of magical realism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it felt very grounded in the real world to me. Um, I also, I enjoyed Margaret Cho very much. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, as the best friend <laughs> <laughs> slash bartender club owner, she slash was so also comedian, but yeah. not playing herself. Um, no, not quite. <laughs> not quite. Um, but no, I delightful. Uh, I don't know how much we can spoil, but. Well, this is coming out, uh, July 28th, at which point the movie will have been out for five weeks. So people have had a chance. It's in your yeah. on the Netflix. 
So if yeah. you, yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I say no major spoilers. Yeah, but okay. it's, so she meets this guy. She meets this guy. Mm-hmm. And he's good on paper. Like mm-hmm. he sounds pretty perfect. He works for a hedge fund. He went to Yale. Yep. Things that normal people have heard of that mm-hmm. you know people in your life. You know, it's not crazy. He didn't say he was a, an astronaut. I think is the yeah. way she describes it. I mean, it. Yale is is a high-end school but it's Uh not out of the realm of possibility that he would have gone there also people who've gone to Yale tend to like to tell you that they've gone to Yale all of the Ivies yes they can't wait to not shut up about it Harvard's and the Princeton's and the Stanford's they went yeah um so yeah the fact that he would volunteer that information on the very first day (laughs) tracks like that tracks in his introduction hi this is who I am yeah this is what I do when where I went to school. I'm like, well, I didn't know this was a job interview. Pardon me. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Do you have a CV? Yeah. Like, can I can I see your resume? Do you have a card? Uh-huh. We'll call you. But then the more time <laughs> she spends with him, there's sort of weirdness. Things, things stack up. Yeah. Like he they never go to his place. It's always her place. There's always a reason why not. And it yeah. seems like a good reason, but there's always sort a reason. Sort of. I remember watching it feeling like I see how, I mean, the, the, the thing of it being a movie is all of this happens in 90 minutes. And so (laughs) you have to imagine it happening over a longer period of time. And then it's sort of like, I can see how if it was one, you know, one lie here and one lie there and they're kind of spaced out. Cause in watching it, I thought like, I don't feel I don't know that I would fall for this, but I can see how a person might, especially over, like if you're seeing someone for quite a while and you haven't been to either of your houses yet, and then he happens to come to yours first. When they were friends for so long first, they weren't really dating, dating. Exactly. That's much more casual and like, not everybody just wants to have friends over in their house for whatever reason. But that right away to me is a red flag. Like if you're always coming to my place and I never go to yours, that's, that's a little odd. Because yeah. normally there's a reciprocal relationship there. Yeah. And then there's always an excuse. And it's usually about his mother. And, and how sick she is. Yeah. And that started to feel a bit yeah. to me. And then, you know, oh, he's buying a house, but they can't go to see. Like, there's just sort of. Yeah. For me, it was one or two too many times on each lie when he had. It was the same lie with a new excuse. Yeah. Or an extent where I went like this would. At the very least, these are pink flags. Like I would have investigated before the character in the movie investigates. But maybe I'm just a suspicious person. Well, and I think that yeah. part of the theme of that is like giving people the benefit of the doubt. To and a like, point. you know, yeah. well, you know, somebody talks about their mom is sick. Like, why mm-hmm. would you want to think they were making up that their mom had cancer? Like that yeah, would no, be a wouldn't. wild thing for me yeah. to do of someone. So when someone says their mom has cancer, like, yeah, whatever you need, man. Like, how can I support yeah. you? We're friends. Except that people do lie about it. I and, know that's and part I, of it. Part of it might be performance that I felt like I could tell he was lying about it. <laughs> when I, <laughs> but that might be an yeah. actor thing, you know, where it's like he has to play it because I'm sure, you know, not everyone who has seen the movie has necessarily heard Eliza tell the story. Exactly. Uh, even if you have or or haven't, like for the purposes of the movie, mm-hmm. it's that fine line that you have to walk as an actor. Yeah. And also, with all due respect to 
the actor as well. Like, who knows how many different ways he did it? This is the one the editor and the director exactly. chose. Yeah. But it felt a little more telegraphed to me that it was a lie right off the bat. But the, yeah. it's a really fine line when you need the audience to know you're lying. It has to be believable that the yeah. other person in the scene doesn't know you're lying, but the audience does. And that's an, a fine line. It's, it has to work in retrospect where you sort of look back on all those scenes and think, well, yeah, I should have known. Yeah, but it also in the moment, if the audience has to know, mm -hmm. because I mean, the film is called Good on Paper. And it was in so the marketing right, that he was full of shit. Yeah, it's in the trailer. Like right off the bat, we know that. Yeah. So we know he's, which which might be a, even more of a reason for the actor to underplay it because we're going to market it that that's what this is. Yeah, I'm then not maybe sure. Yeah. Underplay it even more. And again, maybe he did in a take that didn't make the film. I don't know, but it felt a little too obvious to me sometimes that it that he was lying. One, well, I think they, I think it is that hit of like, well, we need the audience to get it, but it still has to be believable that she doesn't. And there mm -hmm. were times when that didn't work for me. It's like, yeah, if he said it that way, then I would know he was lying if I were her. So yeah, and the actor is Ryan Hansen. We're talking about who I oh, think yeah, has sorry. done a lot of other good stuff. <laughs> but the really interesting thing that I thought about that uh, casting, is the word I was mm -hmm. looking for, is like Ryan Hansen, a traditionally good-looking dude. Yep. White guy, sandy yep. blonde hair, LA surfer type. He's done mm -hmm. a lot of roles where like the point of the role is here's a specimen of a man. He was on Burning <laughs> Love. He was on Party Down. A lot of stuff that I've seen where like that was the pitch of the character. Ryan Hansen yeah. is hot guy. Yeah. And so I you've, thought it was- seen him before. He's, yeah, yeah he's just slightly under model hot guy. <laughs> but so the thing that i thought was really interesting is he's wearing like this sort of weird false teeth thing mm -hmm. and then he's also body doubled in scenes where the character is in a swimming pool okay like i don't know if anybody would notice that or if most people would I notice pay this but attention to that I yeah like i did he's, not notice it he's a, a fit dude i think mm -hmm. he may be padded in some scenes but there's a very clear body double because the character is shot from the neck down like mm -hmm. in an insert shot. And yeah. so I think that they are, my curiosity was if they were doing some sort of commentary on the way this happens with actresses, which is rather than, you know, like they will cast a traditionally very attractive person, mm -hmm. but have them change their appearance so as to not look like a super attractive person. And I, my curiosity was yeah. like, oh, let's take Ryan Hansen, who's ordinarily playing a hot dude type and sort of make him look less attractive the hairstyle the glasses the teeth mm -hmm. i don't know it was a thing that i'd be really curious to talk to eliza and gatewood about yeah i didn't well i don't know him as well as you do clearly because mm -hmm. i really didn't catch that yeah. i'm not aware of what his body normally looks like perhaps i was like perhaps he had his pandemic 15 i didn't know <laughs> well not, really... not to shame him if he put some weight on but it was no, very clearly a body exactly. in that one shot <laughs> okay I, it was not clear to me yeah um so I suppose I've never seen him without a shirt on. And uh, yeah, so maybe he was wearing some padding in this yeah. clothes. Or maybe he wasn't. Again, I don't want to body shame him if he wasn't. Absolutely. Um, if it was not a body double, no shame. It's fine. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't catch that at all. But I, because to me, I felt like they were presenting him as a normal looking, yeah. an attractive, normal looking guy. Yeah. You know, like your, your normal everyday, pretty attractive guy, not 
the super hottie that he is in some things um but not unattractive by any means well but i think there's there are beats in the story where they talk about him being sort of average looking and so it seemed to me that they were writing a part for and forgive me not to not to impugn anyone but like a seth rogan jason siegel kind of actor but average to me does not necessarily mean unattractive yes average is in the middle and that's what i mean like he's your Mm -hmm. basic reasonably attractive dude yeah like there's not he's also a little bit and this might be a function of the hairstyle and the teeth, you know, yeah. a little bit nondescript. Like yes. he's not, he's not super hot. He's not unattractive. He's not, he doesn't stand out in any way. He is exceedingly average. Agree. Is, I agree. Is the yeah. point. That's who this character is. Now, mm-hmm. if they had to do some stuff to Ryan Hansen to achieve that. Yeah. You know, because they wanted him for the part and makeup works wonders. Great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but yeah. Um, yeah. And also, I mean, attractive is such a subjective term. That's so, why I'm sort of like, but, yeah, walking you know, around this carefully. <laughs> there's also, you know, there's the super hot thing that we are told is attractive, whether yes. that's personally attractive to any given human being is another matter. Absolutely. It may not be. Some people might be like, oh, I mean, I admire all the time you spend in the gym. Not, <laughs> not my type. You look great. Not my type. Yeah. Um, and that's valid. So yeah. Yeah, like people have different preferences. So it, yeah, I hesitate to sort of try to pigeonhole it, but I think he's meant to be like an average, mm-hmm. reasonably attractive, doesn't stick out kind of a guy because yeah. then it makes, you know, it's, <laughs> I think it's probably harder to be a scammer if you stick out. Maybe, yeah. It's harder to hide. If you're kind of an average looking guy. Yeah. Those of us with the face blindness, well, not, <laughs> mild face blind. I recognize most people. I recognize people I know. I, I just had trouble with, mostly with the Hollywood Chris's. And as we have established, Kira Knightley and Natalie Portman. Um, uh, but I should have told you that was Chris Hemsworth in that role. So what happened? <laughs> I would have known it wasn't. <laughs> I would I would have known it wasn't. Um, yeah, I can tell. It's not that I can't tell vast swaths of people apart, <laughs> but when people look very similar, I know. It's That's just a thing I that I about. now enjoy poking you about. <laughs> yes, I know. But it's like there are there are some people, you know, there's a whole group of young blonde actresses that I don't know who's who. They all look, they all basically the same haircut, same coloring. They all dress the same. They all look the same to me. They're all 25 years old. I don't know who those people are. Okay. Real <laughs> we're gonna please fast forward if you don't want to hear. I want to ask you a spoilery question well, about this movie. Okay. So fast forward a minute or two. Yeah. Uh at Eliza's character has like a sort of rival actor character mm-hmm. and at the end they have like well towards the end they have sort of like a reconciliation I was wondering mm-hmm. what you had thought about that as a, an actor yourself the idea that she had this like nemesis who was also I thought she was being silly about it yeah the whole time it's like if you if you have an acting nemesis <laughs> that's a you problem <laughs> yeah. I don't think she thinks about you at all uh, not in the same way. Yeah. Like she, they clearly know each other. They came up together. Like it's sort of mm-hmm. established that they knew each other, you know, early on, and one of them got much more successful than the other. Yeah. Um, and that Eliza is is Eliza's character, I should say, yeah. is jealous. Like it. Yeah. Oh, it was course, very so. clear to me. Like this is jealousy. That other girl is not. She's she's not your rival. <laughs> Just the world <laughs> is a little bigger than that. Well, and it's, I mean, yeah, you probably go up for a lot of the same stuff and yeah, yeah, she's booked a lot of it, but 
part of that is that work begets work. So once you've booked yeah. a couple things, sometimes they'll just go with the person they feel like they can trust. Like they won't give you a chance because they, you know, this person has successfully been on set and not fucked up, <laughs> you know, three times now. Yeah. And you've only done that once. And so let's go with the known quantity. Like that happens a lot. Yeah. Um, but I thought she was being silly. I really did the whole time. I was like, that girl is not, Yeah. she's not trying to annoy you. She's okay. She's shown up to guest on your show and you're feeling insecure because you feel like, yeah, you know, really they'd rather have her as the lead, not you. And you're taking that out on her. Like it was very clear to me what was going on. There's like, she just has some growing up to do around that because it's, yeah. And, and clearly had never considered things from the other actress's point of view. I'm sorry. I can't remember that character's name. Oh um, yeah. I should probably but, look it up, but yeah. But when they do finally have that chat mm -hmm. and the other girl is, you know, sort of drops the facade of everything's great for me. It's like, yeah, fucking exhausted, man. And I can't, you know, I have this team that I'm responsible for now and I can't go anywhere. I can't eat in public. I can't, yeah. you know, like it's actually not, Fame is not actually all roses. Uh, yeah. It has some great, per now listen, not being famous, I, I only have secondhand knowledge of this from other people, but <laughs> it has great, there are great perks, you know, depending on what level you get to, you get free stuff sometimes and you, you know, but you also, there's a cost to that. And it's, yeah. you know, you, what you lose is uh, some of your privacy. Uh, even if you manage to guard that, you lose control of the narrative around yourself. Yeah, People will decide who you are without ever having met you. They will decide things about you, which Eliza's character is completely guilty of with this other girl yeah. of making all kinds of assumptions and decisions around her. It's like, you know, she has to come in and pretend to be thrilled to be on the set of this crappy show. <laughs> because, you know, every time she does yeah. it, you have to be because you are you want to work again. That's part of your job. Yes. You can't go bad mouthing a bunch of stuff, like not in anything that anyone's going to see. <laughs> right. And if you're living in LA, yeah. being out on the street or being in a restaurant, you don't know who's next to you, who might overhear you, who might, everything has to be lovely in public Yeah. because what are you going to do? You can't, you know, um, and that there are downsides to that. It's exhausting. Uh, it's, I imagine it's very annoying if you can't go out in public without being stopped or, or, you know, yeah. sometimes I'm sure it's lovely, especially if you're sort of having, having <laughs> a, oh, I feel unsuccessful day. And then someone's like, can I have your autograph? I bet that's cool. I guess yeah. it's selfies now. Um, but Probably I'm sure there are so, other yeah. times when you just want to do your grocery shopping and you can't get down the aisle because, yeah. you know, like, yeah. It's, and there are levels of that. That's and, a bit of a grass is always greener kind of thing. Maybe if like, oh, I really want the fame and everything. And then you get it. And oh, well, maybe I miss when I didn't have this. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think for me, the dream is very much to like make a living working, but yeah. not get so famous that you can't do your own grocery shopping. Like yeah, there's exactly. a middle ground a middle in there. Ground. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also would think that like in places like LA, surely people eventually get used to you. Like you might, you must One would get, think. you must get used to being in the grocery store and, oh, there's Julia Roberts. She also needs cereal or whatever she needs. <laughs> like that must be, I don't know. It just, it yeah. seems, because even One living in think. Vancouver, it starts yeah. to feel, I've, I've been here 20 years. I lived in or near Toronto my entire life before that. Like, 
I have walked past celebrities on the street for many years now. You do yeah. get used to it. There is no need to point it out to anyone. Maybe Least difference... of all that person. They know who they are. <laughs> they don't know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Maybe the difference is that there's always new people in LA because it's such a city where like, it seems like there's a lot of turnover, people moving in and out. And so like, guess, that's what yeah. keeps the experience of it going um but also just to shout out it was rebecca rittenhouse as serena halstead thank you yes um yeah so i thought i felt like eliza eliza's character pardon me yeah was the andrea yes i just i want to draw a distinction between the person and the role of course Uh, i felt and and clearly Eliza knows that because she wrote this thing exactly she spent many years writing this thing andrea Uh uh-huh uh had I felt had a little growing up to do around that that she wasn't yeah. you know and and some of that is you know every actor that you talk to no matter how successful has had a moment of being afraid they're never going to work again oh hell yeah and when you haven't not haven't worked yet but when you haven't like Andrea when we meet her has never had her own show yeah and spoiler, she's still the, on the way up yeah in the course of, well and some people spend their whole lives on the way up and where is up and it's you know exactly yeah you know. but she she's feels not, that's where she is in her trajectory yeah and she's she hasn't yet had a show mm-hmm. and so i've oh i've lost track of my point now but she <laughs> no i sorry i lost yeah, that's track okay point because i got interrupted um <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, she can't, I guess she can't, it hasn't occurred to her to to look at things from the other person's point of view. Oh, yeah. She's mm-hmm. still in this, if I could only get there. Mm-hmm. And when you're when you're in that place of I haven't gotten close to where I want to be yet, and you see people that you came up with or who came up after you, as has been my experience, yeah, already there, it's hard not to get bitter about it it's hard not to be jealous of it. It's like, that's, these are all normal feelings that she's having. The mistake she's making is taking them out on that other actress. The mistake she's (laughs) making is assuming that she's in some sort of rivalry with Serena, which she's not. It's a one-way rivalry. Serena has no ill will toward her at all. You know, they don't, they don't even know each other all that well. That's very clear. But like there are people who run into each other in the audition room. Yeah. Fairly. So they know each other's names. They recognize each other. It's like a, Hey, how are you? Kind of a relationship. This is not a close friendship. Yeah. Um, But she has turned this into that girl is getting all my roles. Yeah. And that's not what's happening. (laughs) It feels like it sometimes, or sometimes it feels like everybody except me. Or that you fixate on that one person who seems to get everything you want. Like, I, mm-hmm. I get that. But th- I was annoyed with Andrea about that whole thing the whole way through. Interesting. Because I was just like, you're, you're thinking about this wrong. Yeah. And Serena is, she seems very sweet. Uh, she, it's not, it's not a two-way rivalry. She even like, she helps her out. She gives her a ride. She ends up going on this escapade with her. Like, yeah, I really enjoyed that sequence. That was very fun. Um, yeah. yeah it was so, the three of them and all of yeah. Margaret Cho's characters like weird survival gear. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, I think Margaret Cho was the gem of that movie. Honestly. Yeah, I also enjoyed uh, his three room roommates. 
sure. people renting from him, the people in the house. Yeah. When they finally track them down. Yeah, um, that moment also where they get to his actual bedroom in that house and it is just stark. Like yeah. that was that was a real like, oh no. Like I knew, you know, knowing the story, I knew it was gonna mm-hmm. be terrible but just that like there's nothing <laughs> on the walls it's yeah that was rough i was delighted to see beth dover oh yes beth is a weird tremendous. goth roommate uh-huh. always happy ever since i mean i don't i don't think i knew who she was really until uh she played blanche on another period sure yeah uh, that to my knowledge now i may have seen her in other things mm-hmm this happens all the time, right? Where you, yeah. you know, an actor has, I'm sure she was bumping around for a long time before that. And I just hadn't sort of, but yeah. when she played Blanche on another period, she got my attention and I am delighted every time I see her now. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I know her mostly from children's hospital and some other stuff from that uh, I never really community of comedy that. people, but yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, I not by any means saying another period was the first thing she did. I'm saying it's no, the first of course, time yeah. that I got it together to realize yeah. how great she is. Yeah. Um, and I mean, she's also been on like orange is the new black. Yeah. Um, she's done tons of stuff. She's done a ton of stuff and I'm always delighted to see her, but I, I, I love her best when she does something sort of small and wacky as she yeah. does here. She had a lot of intensity in this role. Yeah. Yeah. She was, it, that was, it was just a delight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Made me very happy. But yeah, this movie has a lot of fun sort of like runners and one-off things. And yeah, I just, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was a good watch. It was, uh, I believe I saw it as I was recovering from my second vaccination. Oh, right. Um, yeah. So there were a couple of days there where really all I did was watch movies because it was all I could do. Uh, and that was one of them where it just sort of came up on Netflix and I thought, oh, that looks interesting. I know who mm-hmm. these people are. I'm going to look at this. And, uh, it, <laughs> it did not disappoint. It was a lot of fun. That's good. Uh, do you have anything else from your list to add to today's episode? Uh, I'll do two kind of, no, you know what? I'll do one quick thing because I, I maybe want to save the other. No, that's fine. Because <laughs> Well, we've been at this for like an hour and I don't yeah. want to go too long. That's um, true. But in a, in a fun callback to an episode we did quite a while ago or, or a little, a short series of episodes we did quite a while ago wherein <laughs> Chris quizzed me on my knowledge of the babysitter's club and then I won and he had to watch <laughs> the show with me and then we reviewed it on the show on this show uh I wanted to uh briefly mention a book that came out just this week it's called we are the babysitter's club okay it is an anthology of pieces from a variety of people who grew up with the books at different times which Uh was clear to me in reading it like some of them are og fans like me who were there in 1986 yeah and some of them read the books in the 90s or the early 2000s or you know like after they had stopped being written and (laughs) then they existed the the actual publication dates i think were 1986 to 1997 or something okay um but the 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 book We Are the Babysitter's Club is new this year. It's edited by Marissa Crawford and Megan Milks. Um, and it it's a collection of pieces from uh, a bunch of different people and a bunch of different perspectives. Uh-huh. Some of the babysitters who get the most attention uh, for fans of the series are Claudia and Jesse um, and the various impacts that those characters, the, the only uh, non-white characters in the original okay. series made, um, what they meant to people, how different folks felt they were or were not representative Mm 
Okay. There's some really interesting stuff there. Um, one of the pieces is written by, and I should have written down her name along with the editors. I've forgotten. Um, but she is the, the woman who made the documentary, the Claudia Kishi Club, which is on okay. Netflix mm-hmm. about what Claudia meant to yeah. uh, young Asian American, Asian Canadian, Asian Asian women <laughs> growing <laughs> up, uh, women of Asian heritage and or extraction, <laughs> shall we say, whether, whether they were living in Asia or whether they had Asian heritage and grew up somewhere else globally what that character meant to them yeah um and jesse gets some nice attention too who is kind of a sometimes a bit of an overlooked babysitter i feel because she's one of the junior members so she joins she arrives in the series later mm-hmm. uh, once she arrives in the series she gets just as many books as anybody uh-huh. else but it is uh it's interesting to hear that perspective of what black women felt about Jesse and and not everyone feels the same because no one yeah. is a monolith uh where she of was course. or wasn't representative or the you know a, a common theme in these essays particularly the ones about Claudia and Jesse uh and understandably so is sort of the the ambition and also the limitations of these characters being written by a white woman who sure. yeah. was clearly trying very 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 hard to get it right mm-hmm. but is with no disrespect to Anna Martin, whom I adore, obviously, um, <laughs> is necessarily limited because her lens will never not be the lens of a white woman because yeah. that's what she is. Yeah. Um, and also things that at the time didn't sort of, didn't chafe but do now, or maybe chafed but white people didn't notice, <laughs> but other people did. So some of the ways that that uh, Claudia and Jesse are described in the books. The fact mm-hmm. that it always has to come up that Jesse is black. Oh, like it always has to be said in every yeah. book, whether okay. she's describing herself, whether someone else is describing her, and then how she's described versus how she's illustrated on the book covers. Oh, okay. There's some colorism. There's an argument about colorism there to be made. Mm-hmm. Um, and Claudia's, you know, eye shape is bright. She's often described as having almond-shaped eyes. Yeah, I think it persists throughout all of. Yeah. Also, all eyes are almond-shaped. Don't know if you've noticed, but an almond is roughly the shape of a human eye. <laughs> My eyes are actually cashew-shaped. <laughs> like no matter who that eye belongs to. So it's a yeah. weird. Um, but these are things where, you know, the author was was trying to do right by these girls and trying to describe them and there are things that were acceptable or seemed acceptable in the 80s that are not yeah yeah um it's a great read uh the topic of queerness comes up uh we all found out just a few years ago that anna martin is a lesbian oh uh, which explained a lot (laughs) (laughs) was not surprised it explains everything about christy thomas because i think any we've all we've all sorted this out for ourselves right like we all know that christy is obviously queer um Just whether or not she, tomboy reed yeah what well yeah. whether or not she knows it she clearly is okay um in retrospect anyway mm-hmm. whether, whether we can expect 12 or 13 year old christy to know that about herself especially yeah. in the 80s <laughs> uh is one question my answer to that is no not necessarily but yeah. she still was um so there's some there's some really great content in there. If you are my age, you might find yourself at moments feeling a little bit defensive because it does oh, no. 
some some of the writers make mistake might be too strong a word mm-hmm. but they they judge what was done then as if it was done it's judged through 2021 lens yeah i have uh, i've seen and heard a lot of that kind of uh, analysis over the years yeah podcasts and, and whatnot and like yeah there is times do change Mm-hmm. And so I did a couple of times find myself wanting to defend to no one <laughs> the <laughs> fact that, especially when someone would say like, oh, this didn't exist in the 80s or it did exist in the 80s. You'd find out that author was born in 1999. It's like, uh, excuse me, it very much did. Yes. <laughs> or, or no, it didn't. Like you're saying this was a thing in 1986. I was there. It hadn't been invented yet. <laughs> like whatever it was. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. what, what, and what was normal in a small town in America in 1986 and what is normal in a small town in America in 2021, two very different things. So for better or for worse, all to say those books, like everything, are a product of their time. Yeah. And were they to be written now? And in fact, they've been adapted into graphic novels and Mm -hmm. some things have been changed and updated because that's necessary, right? Like you would describe people slightly differently now. You would, you know, things change. Of Um, course. But it's, and and not just necessarily, I'm not necessarily just talking about race and queerness when I say that. Like there are just just general things about society that it's yes, like, absolutely. but if you were that age in 86, 87, you would know. And the reason you think it's weird is because you read these books in the 2000s yeah. and you didn't read updated versions. You read 1986 literature. Literature is a strong word for. <laughs> um, <laughs> Published materials. Why, why it? <laughs> Uh, young yeah. young adult lit um or really this is this is older young readers lit it's not quite ya but it's just <laughs> well, i think i don't know if ya even existed that. as a subgenre at that point oh it did yeah the did. 80s yeah oh okay i think yeah. of that as a 90s thing but i have to no yeah. it's it existed before that but these are classified as they're classified as young readers or something like they're not yeah they're not children's books, but mm-hmm. they're not young adult either. They're that in-between sort of older young readers situation, yeah. you know? Yeah. You're basically, you're 8 to 12, 8 to 12, mm-hmm. 9 to 12. Like in a bookstore, the section where you would find these was the 9-year-old to 12-year-old section. Okay. Um, I know, because that's where I bought them. That's right. <laughs> Um, but if you were a fan of the Babysitter's Club, there's a lot to enjoy in this anthology. I don't. I don't mean to diss it at all. I think it's beautifully written. I think it's very thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I found myself occasionally wanting to defend something just because I, I was alive in that time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but also a lot of good points made. And there are arguments to be made with like, okay, so that was acceptable then, but should it have been? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I think that's really the difference when you're talking about like, oh, it was a different time. It's like, well, yeah, but that doesn't necessarily excuse things. Exactly. Like some things were always wrong. Yeah. Um, but it, so I recommend it. It's a quick read. I read it, you know, in like a, a day or so or the equivalent of a day mm-hmm. um, over a couple of days. But, it, you know, it took a very few hours over a couple of days. <laughs> so it's a pretty quick read. Um, and yeah, so We Are the Babysitter's Club by Marissa Crawford or edited by Marissa Crawford and Megan Milks. Many, many authors, uh, including Kristen Arnett. So if you're familiar with her at all, she's Mm -hmm. a delight on Twitter um, (laughs) and has a couple of novels out. Uh, She's one of the 
one of the authors of one of the pieces. Uh, there's some artwork in there. There's some comics in there. Oh, cool. Um, there's some really, it's really great. I bought the E version. You can also get it in paperback. So I, I'm just, uh, yeah, let's, I'm shouting that out. Go, it's worth <laughs> the 10 bucks for the E version for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. What about you? Any, any last uh, thoughts? Yeah. My last thought is uh, I started a, um, a re-listen of a couple of podcasts because I just uh, had need of some extra silliness in my life. So both mm-hmm. Spontaneous Nation and Pistol yes. Shrimps Radio are now okay. in regular rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spontaneous Nation was an improvised podcast from Paul F. Tompkins that started in 2015. Wow, uh, is that old? And uh, Pistol Shrimps Radio uh, started the same year. It's Matt Gorley and Mark McConville. And they are two people who have heard of basketball, who are calling <laughs> women's rec league basketball games in Los Angeles. And both shows are just ridiculous, delightful comedy nonsense. Yeah, the Pistol, <laughs> the pistol Shrimps are real. Yes, they the were. Pistol Shrimps are real. There's a real team called the Pistol Shrimps. Uh, yep. I assume that due to COVID, they're on an indefinite hiatus, but they do exist. I would presume, but I do not know. <laughs> Yeah. I assume the league will get back up and running at some point this fall if they're (laughs) able to. Yeah. How was it going back and listening to Spont? Did you Um, remember much? Did you I've only listened to two so far, actually? Um are you going in order? Yes, I I just yeah. I just purist and a completionist. So well, and also like I don't remember many of them enough to like, oh, here's the good one. Um yeah, there's a couple that stand out. And they also, they have, for those who are unaware, the uh, first segment, well, the second segment is a guested segment. Mm-hmm. And he, each guest is asked a question provided by the previous guest. Yes. And so if I was listening to them, say, on shuffle, you wouldn't necessarily get the connection. But mm-hmm. I like knowing, oh, this was the question that that person asked. Yes, because I remember when when listening to it in real time, Yeah. I didn't always remember the question or who the guest had been who asked it mm-hmm. um but if you were to listen to it back to back yeah you would and sometimes i would go and look it up like oh i wonder whose question that was or i couldn't yeah you know um so i believe the very first episode if i recall and i promise <laughs> i've not looked this up <laughs> if i recall the very first spot that aired not the pilot that we were eventually given later but yeah the first one to drop uh, it takes place in a Denny's parking lot. And I think uh-huh. the guest is Busy Phillips. Uh-huh. And nice. the improvisers were? Uh, I think Janet was in there. Uh-huh. Janet Varney. Uh, and now I'm guessing. Uh, Jackson? Nope. Is he there? No. Uh, I'm out. I don't know. I know it Janet was, was there. I know Busy was there. It was Matt Gorley and Craig Kikowski. Oh, okay. Oh, I should have guessed Kikowski. He yeah. made many, many appearances. Yes. Those were three of the core Spontaneous Nation players. <laughs> yes. A lot of people uh, came came back often, which was great. But also I discovered so many people through that show. Yeah, me too. And yeah. that was, I think, one of his goals once he mm. sort of got deeper into the show was like, I want to, you know, expose my audience to new talent or new to them talent. Yes. And he was, Paul was very uh, intentional and careful mm-hmm. and yeah. lovely about representation in terms yeah. of uh, both gender and race. Mm-hmm. So he made sure to have balanced casts as much as humanly possible. Yeah. Um, and when they weren't balanced, sometimes he would have everybody from the black version yeah um so it wasn't it was very rarely an all-white cast even though it's radio and we can't see anybody it was still nice (laughs) to know that he was working hard on having a gender balance and also also like a 
ethnic balance, I guess. Because I think in the podcast space, especially, and you and I can probably attest to this, it's easy to just like ask people you already know, mm-hmm. like who are my friends who will come do my show. Luckily, he has a lot of friends. And yeah, when you're <laughs> when you're already a part of a big community, and you know, yeah. in amongst them geographically speaking, mm-hmm. it would be pretty easy for him to just go from like the existing stable of like comedy bang bang sort of sure. people who he's already working with. But I just yeah, I appreciate that about Paul specifically that he was like, no, I want to work with new and different people. And so he has talked a lot about during that time and since, yeah, he went out and said like, okay, who should I know about? Who should be on the show who I've never heard of? Who's amazing? Yeah. Yeah, So thanks to him. uh, I know who Ego Wodum is. I know who Tony Newsom is. I know who Carl Tart is, you know? Yeah. So there were, yeah, a lot of people. I got to see Stephanie Courtney do something other than play flow. Um, Yeah. On the progressive ads is what Steve is referring yes. to. Yes, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there were some some wonderful people that we all got yeah. to know more about. Yeah, I think um, that was my first exposure to Lacey Mosley, who's a great comedian, and she mm-hmm. has her own podcast, Scam Goddess, mm-hmm. which is hilarious. I think we've um, talked about her on here before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, Spontanea Nation is... Uh, a great podcast to revisit. Mm-hmm. Um, I always recommend comedy nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Improv yeah, and, and silliness. It's, it's out there. I don't know if oh, all yeah. of it is available for free. Stitcher. It's behind the paywall. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But there's a few episodes out there for free, I believe. I think the something like the first one and the last one and maybe a couple others, but is that it? yeah, okay. something I knew like you that. Put some, there's like 10 or something that you can sample. I don't even know um, if it's that many, but oh, yeah. Okay. But if you're Worth it's worth for. the price of Stitcher for sure, yeah. just for that one show. Mm-hmm. Um, Pistol Shrimps, I think, might be in front of the paywall. I do not know, but both of them are worth it for sure. Yeah. Uh, if if you're on a Paul F. Tompkins podcast re-listen kick, <laughs> um, I would also recommend uh, the Dead Authors podcast. It's still out there. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, it is outside any paywalls. Mm-hmm. Um, it's out there for free and it's uh, silliness and a delight. Yeah. Um, if if you're unfamiliar, uh, Paul plays H.G. Wells. <laughs> he has a time machine. He brings authors who are now deceased back in his time machine from their time and interviews them. Uh, he did this live on stage. So generally, both he and the person he was interviewing, the comedian he was interviewing, would be in some sort of costume. Uh-huh. Um, it was up to the other performer how much research they did or did not do. So <laughs> Sometimes are... to the detriment of the performer who may learn things yes. about their favorite yeah. author. Yeah, <laughs> I think I know who you're thinking of. I felt so bad for him. <laughs> Oof, the Roald Dahl episode. Oof. Yeah, not bad. Um, anyway, but seek, seek that out. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I recently, I just, I needed a laugh. And so I went back and I found the trusty uh, Andy Daly as L. Ron yep. Hubbard episodes, the first one. There are two. It's the only two-parter in the series. Uh, mm-hmm. Never not funny. Just never stops being funny. Did you listen to the episode that he did of the Andy Daly podcast pilot project that was mm-hmm. an L. Ron Hubbard episode? Because I just yeah. re-listened to that one. It, it's Andy been Daly a while. Freaking genius. I listened to a couple of, like a few of his. I haven't yeah. listened to all of them, but I think that was my entry episode. I think that was my first one. Yeah. Because I listen, I enjoy Andy doing all sorts of things. <laughs> his L. Ron Hubbard is unparalleled. Um, and yeah. something, something I will say for, because I've heard other people imitate L. Ron Hubbard, but no one sure. does it. No one does it like Andy Daly. Uh, well, of and course. the other thing I 
I think should be known about Andy Daly was that he clearly did the research. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. So when he is so much research, oh, way too much research on dead authors. Now, some stuff, <sighs> he was never the chancellor of Arby's. Um, but many of the absolutely wild things that come out of his mouth <laughs> are things that L. Ron Hubbard said and were did. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So, yes, he clearly, clearly, clearly put in the time, uh, which just makes it all the more fun. Now, sometimes it's fun when they don't put in the time also. I, the one that's <laughs> popping into my head in that, I think it was Eugene Cordero's episode, and I'm sorry if it wasn't, but I remember a run of, I'm pretty sure him of, oh, did I do that? Oh, did I say that? Oh, was that me? Do you remember who he played? I don't. I oh, could look either. it up, but yeah, I remember um, Paul ascribing things just to him. I'm like, oh, really? That's cool. <laughs> I liked the, uh, the Hans Christian so Anderson uh-huh. episode where he was uh, from the wrong country for quite a while. <laughs> I don't remember that. I think he had mixed up uh, oh, being Dutch and being Danish or something. Yeah, I guess I think understandable. Hans, Hans Christian, yeah, Hans Christian Anderson was a Dane. Uh huh. Um, but he starts many, many sentences for like a good half the podcast of like <laughs> in the Netherlands, <laughs> which is not Denmark. Who was Netherlands. the performer on that one? Do you remember? Oh, we should be looking this stuff up. Oh, there were a lot of good episodes in that. There was one which. I, I, this is terrible vamping vamp 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 vamp, vamp. <laughs> i'm almost uh, there i'm almost there it ran something like 50 episodes um and unfortunately ended before its time but i i do appreciate also with spawn and dead authors how paul will just say yeah i'm done with this i'm going to do something else now and he did that with his previous and i want to say first podcast the pod f top cast which uh, is just super yes. fun to say he did. That is 24 episodes. He did yeah. it for two years, once a month. Uh, the performer who plays Hans, uh, Hans Christian Anderson, pardon me, mm-hmm. in chapter 46 of the Dead Authors podcast is Joe Wengert. Oh, okay. Um, and he he spends much of the time talking about how to do things <laughs> in the Netherlands, only to be reminded at some point that he is in fact <laughs> from Denmark. <laughs> Oops. One of the D ones. <laughs> uh, yes. So he... He, he is right. He's in the middle of the two L. Ron Hubbard episodes. So listen, if you're oh, looking okay. for a place to start with this podcast, I would recommend <laughs> starting with chapter 45, part one, L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah. And then you'll get chapter 46, Hans Christian Anderson. Then you'll get chapter 47, Mark Twain. Now that oh, one's right. fun because Paul played Mark Twain uh-huh. and he brought in Gourley? Uh, Gourley as Carl uh-huh. Sagan to right. interview him because he wanted to experience being in the other chair yeah and then you will get chapter 45 part two mm-hmm. l ron hubbard so that's a nice run of four that's that a gives of you run. it gives you a great sample and if you enjoy those you will enjoy everything i had the pleasure of being in the audience for at least two live dead authors podcast shows yeah um one was uh iceberg slim <laughs> uh, i don't want to say the wrong name and i accidentally closed it just a second. I think you asked a question on one of them too, because I, I feel like I remember hearing him read a question from someone then asking you later if that was you. Uh oh, I did. I sent in so the way yeah. it used to work was you sent in questions on Twitter, whether you were yeah. at the show or not. Oh, right. And, yeah. Uh the rule was no joke questions. Like these have yep. to be questions you would actually ask this author. 
Um, and so, yes, I did. Uh, yeah, it was Iceberg Slam. Ron Funches played it. Oh, Funchy. Um, so that was the one I got to see in uh, LA at mm-hmm. the UCB theater where it was normally done. And then Paul did one up here in Vancouver with our local improviser, Ryan Deal, of right. Sunday Service playing Lucy Maud Montgomery. Also uh-huh. hilarious. Um, I'm referred to obliquely in that one see if you can catch it um, oh mysterious i'm the young lady who puts down her drink to applaud there I swear <laughs> for um yes i sent in questions i and they a couple of them did get read on the podcast always a delight my favorite my proudest moment uh was in the virginia wolf episode with mary holland my question was uh along the lines of so virginia wolf wrote a room of one's own mm-hmm and I believe my question was, you know, as the author of A Room of One's Own, how do you feel about the near total lack of privacy in modern society? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> and uh, the, the discussion that ensued was pretty fun. So <laughs> Solid work. <laughs> Another episode one could start with. <laughs> sure, yes. Uh, that one, I encourage you. All of these have little tiny trailers on Paul's YouTube channel. And that one in particular... Oh, yeah. I encourage you to go look at the little trailer because Mary Holland as Virginia Woolf attempting to smile is one of the funniest things you <laughs> ever see in your life. That lady is very, very funny. <laughs> yeah, that is that is very true. Yeah. So anyway, just as, since you brought up Spont, yes, you should also re-listen to Dead Authors and the Pod, uh, the Pod F Tomcast, which I think yeah. you're right, was his first. Um, yeah. You have to listen to that one in order. Otherwise, it does not make sense. There is an mm-hmm. ongoing, it has many <laughs> segments and one segment is an ongoing saga that you really, you really have to listen to from beginning to end. <laughs> I don't remember if I finished that, but I know I have, I have listened to some of those episodes. So I may have to go back and affirm that. <laughs> yeah, Paul does all the voices and it is remarkable. Actually, he plays all the different characters talking to each other. Yeah. Um, and they are as varied as Andrew Lloyd Webber and Ice T. <laughs> <Yep. laughs> uh, and and a few others. I don't want to spoil it all for you, um, but it's it's worth listening to. And it's if if like me, you enjoy theater of the mind and you picture things in your head, you will find yourself <laughs> picturing all these different people, yeah. and then realizing every once in a while it will just hit you that Paul is doing all of them. Mm-hmm. And that is remarkable. He's a very good mimic in yeah. terms of like he his like impressions are oh absolutely amazing. Yeah. yeah. Like some of them you would think that was that person. <laughs> um he's very, very, very good. And that's why it's wild and it will just hit you out of the blue every once in a while that oh, that's not, of course, that's not ice tea. That's Paul. Well, that's also <laughs> Paul. That's also Paul. <laughs> <laughs> always always 20 thumbs up for the paul f tompkins podcast universe yes well truly the most amazing ones are he did a couple of live shows where mm-hmm. he managed to keep that going oh nice yes that and does not I, sound familiar to me so i think i have not listened to all of them maybe not i wish i had seen them obviously yeah. i did not see them some of it must have been pre-recorded i don't know uh, maybe I listen, don't know. listening to it and realizing that he is doing all of those voices having a conversation with each other is quite something yeah, that sounds really stressful. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's uh, going to be everything for today's episode for I us. I think we're done. This is uh, a long one. <laughs> quick uh, quick scheduling note. Ooh, uh, yes, we have something to tell you. Sit down. 
Um, Don't be scared. Well, no, go ahead and be scared. It's good for you every once in a while. (laughs) So this is our second July episode. Starting next month in August, uh, you're going to be getting one episode per month. We're going to scale back a little bit to uh, account for the fact that pandemic... Uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Limitations. The fact that we couldn't go outside (laughs) is no longer an issue as much in our respective countries, fortunately. Uh, So things from the before times are returning. And so we need to modulate our schedules accordingly. Things are opening up. People have scheduling commitments. Mm -hmm. We both still love you. You'll see (laughs) us all the time. You'll get two Christmases. (laughs) (laughs) But you will hear us half as often. Um, because yes, just, you know, our, our lives are returning to a state resembling normal. We are both leaving our houses more often. Um, (laughs) and so we just, we have less time and rather than, than bring you a substandard show twice a month, we thought that we would bring you a good show once a month. At least that's the goal. (laughs) That's the goal. Maybe you think this is a substandard show already. If so, Thanks for staying subscribed. You. Appreciate <laughs> you listening. <laughs> we we still love you, even if you don't think we're good. <laughs> Although we're very curious as to why you want to continue to listen to something. Why you're are you not doing crazy this to yourself? About. No one's making you. You didn't uh, pay for it. There's no sunk for costs. <laughs> time for that garbage podcast. <laughs> Can't believe I have to listen to this again. Look, so even if you're our friend we won't know we never ask that's true <laughs> you can leave it's fine but yeah starting wednesday <laughs> august 4th we will be in your ears the first wednesday of every month at least to the end of the year mm-hmm. um probably through january assuming sketch festy things happen uh we'll, we'll find out what's going on with that but yeah so for at least the next six months it'll be once a month and after that who can say who knows what might happen i don't know who knows the future is unknowable. Well, I'll be riding around on jetpacks. Ooh, living in plastic houses on yep. Mars or something. <laughs> that, that seems very specific <laughs> and came out of nowhere. I don't know. Fair enough. Uh, what would you like to tell the nice folks about? Oh, it's plug time. Uh, you can come and talk to me on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, I'm at Stevie KJ, that is S-T-E-V-I-E-K-A-Y-J-A-Y on both platforms. Uh, (laughs) You can watch my show, Honestly Charlotte. We are streaming on the Fearless app. Um, You can also find us at honestlycharlotte.com. But we're very proud to be streaming on the Fearless app. Uh, There's no cost to subscribe. You You can buy a subscription, but there is free content. We elected to make ours available for free. Cool. Um, So we would love it if you would go and and watch it there and support us there and see some of the other great content that you might not find on more mainstream platforms. Fearless is all about elevating marginalized voices and underrepresented voices. Um, For them, that includes women, LGBTQ plus, um, uh, you know, anyone who isn't white. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All those of us who are not the cis white dudes Hey, uh, who don't get our <laughs> sorry, but it's true. Who don't get our work seen as much? Uh, they are working to to elevate that, and also, uh, you know, disabled people, um, subject matter that might be a little uh, less mainstream. Uh, 
So okay. uh, I'm not, I don't mean porn. Get your minds out of the gutter. Um, I, I wasn't thinking that. I was thinking niche, more uh, <laughs> niche type interests. Adult and, themes. And things. No. Um, anyway, so please check out Fearless. Please check us out on Fearless. Um, and uh, yeah, oh, my website, steviejackson.ca. I'm having trouble being succinct today. Chris, what would you like to plug? My website is christopherrust.com. You can say hi, Twitter. Apparently, I'm also <laughs> having word trouble talking. Chris M. Royce is my handle on Twitter, where you can say hi to me. That's that's pretty much it. I'm writing a lot all the time. I've outlined two novels this summer. It's uh, who knows when they will be viewable by anyone other than me. <laughs> Oh, I think I'm uh, reading at the cold reading series tomorrow night. Oh, oh wow. I just that realized doesn't help people our... will not hear this. Never mind. Cut that nope. out. If you can go back to <laughs> July 12th, please <laughs> hang out with just the gonna, cold reading series. Just going to invite people to come and watch, but uh, I will have done it by the time you hear this. But it is uh, one Monday a month. It's on Zoom. You don't even have to be in Vancouver anymore. Uh, we will eventually go back to in person. But for now please come join us on zoom sadly we're not a real-time podcast no but it's every month you can <laughs> yeah. come every month <laughs> yeah. no but i just meant so they will miss you <laughs> oh yes this time but mm -hmm. you know i go uh most months i don't know if i go every month oh cool but i go i attend most months well there you go there's a thing you can do when you're not listening to all of the podcast homework that we just gave you <laughs> oh boy so much work you guys you're reading books you're watching rutherford falls you're re-listening to all of spontaneous nation which is like 200 episodes mm -hmm. got and a lot of stuff to do before next time 66 episodes i just saw that on the feed when i was stuff <laughs> up. and uh the pot of tomcast is 24 so when you're done with your paul of tompkins homework <laughs> then you can have dessert <laughs> that's right <laughs> he's also on rutherford falls so yeah it's you got some PFT homework to do. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> well, let's then uh, if we don't know what to tell you, then it must be the end of the episode. Thank you for so. listening and subscribing and safely telling people who you know. Uh, make sure you take care of yourselves and get your vaccinations. And I don't know, be nice every once in a while. We believe in you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we will talk to you next month. I enjoy the outros where I gradually fall apart after plugs. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs>